made it back. We've made it. We survived another week. <laughs> welcome, everyone. Welcome along or welcome back? Welcome along. You said you had a story that you've been saving. Well, I haven't really. It happened to me about 24 hours ago. So it's hot off the press. So if any of you have consumed any of Yusuf's estrogen-themed content, <laughs> you'll know that there's certain things you should avoid. Right? So let that be the, the framing. Yesterday, I went with my parents, my sister, and my girlfriend to a like to stay in a hotel for one night to celebrate their anniversary, which was very nice. Got there, checked in, um, went to the room, dropped everything off. There was a pool and like a spa, and there was a snow room, which I was really excited to use, um, like in a sauna and all these other things that you could like con like contrast stuff. Um, I don't really like saunas, as you'll know, but the snow room, really up for that. So anyway, so we're in the spa and uh, I went over to like, you know, we, we went into the sauna. So I was like, I'm going to get as hot as I can before I go into the snow room. Went over to the, like the bucket with the water in, scooped some of the water out, put it on the thing, put it on the thing. Really hot in the sauna. And about two, three seconds after that, um, the fire alarm goes off. <sighs> I'm like, mm, I really hope that wasn't me. <laughs> like nothing to do with. Um, but Becca started blaming me. She was like, that must be you. It was, you know, it was, it was as soon as you put the more water on it, it got, it's obviously too hot in here. You've triggered the fire alarm. So anyway, every bit, all of us, everybody in the spa in dressing gowns and slippers have to leave the spa and go and stand on the grass and all the people are running around with their yellow jackets on, their walkie-talkies, and they're all going, don't panic, don't panic. And it's no one else is... experience, is it? No, no, no. But ironically, the people saying don't panic are always the people panicking in those situations. So we're, out, we're outside for like an hour, right? And bearing in mind, we, we'd, gone, we'd gone to this place for like 24 hours. I'm not going to say where it is, right? I don't want to... Sort of like a defamation lawsuit against me. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'd only we were only at this place for like a day, a day and a night, and we were leaving. We had to leave early the following morning, so this is like really starting to eat into um, the time we're there. People come over with the walkie talkies, and they're like, with the fire brigade are coming. Um, so it was like legitimately there was a fire, like a small fire, but there was a fire. The fire brigade are coming. Um, and everyone's like, oh God, you know, the fire brigade are just going to make an absolute admin nightmare out of this. Like so many forms to fill in. And um, so about after about an hour of standing outside in dressing gown, got taken into the like a bar, like a separate building, a bar. And they, they're like, bring everybody free drinks and all sort of stuff. But it's been, by this point, it's been like five hours since I've eaten. So I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty hungry. Like, and my hunger levels are rising and rising. Being in a spa makes you more hungry as well. Do you think like, so? Being in a sauna or alternating your temperature. It's like when you go swimming and afterwards you're just ravenous. Yeah. Like, right, yeah. yeah that's, but I hadn't really thought about that. Um, but I was starving. Hank Marvin, as they say. No cucumber um, available if you've listened no, to the last episode. So we, we, we walk in, we sit down and the, like the hotel staff come around and it's like, it's okay, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to bring out some snacks. 
for everything. I was like, thank God for that. Like, because, you know, this, it was getting, it was touch and go. And they bring out bowls, bowl upon bowl of edamame beans. Like, I'm glad it's not just me because these things follow you around. It's like this car- big karmic prank where like everything's tea tree, lavender and flax flavoured and or like edamame beans fried in lavender oil and just like coloured in estrogen. Your rice. It, it's unbelievable. I Even after last week when we um, talked about the gym kitchen, I tweeted them again with the video of us discussing the tweet i'm not gonna let up i and and then i'm gonna take this clip and i'm gonna tweet them with this as well because they i just can't get away with it i couldn't believe like of all of the things (laughs) you know if if you like you you run a bar you have access to like i don't know snacks don't you behind the bar you would think that there's lots of things more readily available than hot edamame beans like (laughs) prepared and salted edamame beans so when you said like they brought out snacks i thought he's not gonna say edamame beans because that's such a a ridiculous and yeah like impractical thing to bring out and also estrogen aside even if it was hormonally neutral what a weird it's not what you want when you're standing out on the grass yeah yeah I, i don't know whether that's because like i suspect there's some niche reason that like the part of the hotel where the crisps were, the fire brigade had lot, and they'd had some edamame beans. Like, because we were in this bar, this place we were sat was part was attached to like an Asian fusion restaurant. Oh, okay. So, so, so I think was an opportunistic. Like, they went in, said to the chef, like, "Quick, we need something to placate these yeah. guests." And he's like, oh, well, "We can't we'll give them the... these uh, full of estrogen. They will everybody will start growing breast tissue." He's like, "Oh no, no, no! There's a fire, you know." So then you sat there. So I didn't eat any of them. I thought I can't, and you know what was so weird, right? So I didn't have my phone on me or anything, because I was going to ring you and say like, "Look, I'm up against it here. What do I? Can do I have? Here? What do you think?" Um, my phone was still in the room, and I'm thinking, "Well, my phone's probably burned down now. Like, this is it. This is you know, I'll never be able to text you stuff again. I don't know his number." <laughs> um, so when I got be back, the end of propane. Because oh, that's it. Yeah, I've lost my phone. Because Johnny's it. lost my number. Yeah. Um, the I got back to the room, and you know, like your phone's got, you know, you're away from your phone for like a couple of hours, and there's loads and loads of emails and all sorts of stuff. And I refreshed Instagram eventually, and you had just posted the clip about the edamame beans. And I was like, "This is fun. like what?" Because <laughs> like, then I then I remembered you saying, "You can't get away from this stuff." Like you, can't. and then you go, then you go in the bathroom, and the shop they've provided little. A little shampoo and a little shower gel, lavender. One, honestly, once you're aware of it, it it's ridiculous. It feels like you're being victimised and persecuted by mm. estrogen products, and you think this it's too consistent to be. And I, There's something I, going on here. Yeah, I don't think it's even price because it's not like edamame beans are significantly cheaper, or lavender flavour is cheaper than other. You know, you could nicer, isn't it? Lavender. It is nice. nice. That's the problem. Edamame beans, though, aren't nice. Are they? They're only nice as a vehicle for chilli and salt and garlic. But most things are. Well, yeah. Like, you put put those things on most foods. It's snails? You could put that on snails and they're nice. Yeah. But I imagine boiled snails, probably not very nice. Without the seasoning. 
Yeah. That is a fantastic story. I, did, did you, what a mixture of emotions as well. I felt myself really on a, a ride there. Was, did you feel responsible or guilty at all while you were standing out there? And did you get to the root of what the fire origin was? So no, I didn't feel at all responsible because I was fully prepped. Had I caused it, I was fully prepped for the conversation of like, <laughs> if the one room in the hotel that is designed to reach those temperatures triggers the fire alarm that is entirely your fault so i was rehearsing in my head yeah i agree you you're you're using you're not misusing the sauna there you're not using the water yeah yeah i'm not like behind the back of the 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 heat thing twiddling with the settings like trying to make it go past the threshold like i i put like a half a cup of water on the thing but yeah so there was a I think there was like a mild fire in the kitchen or something. It was never like a, it was never going to be a problem, but obviously, loads of people in a hotel, you've got to evacuate it. Um, the the thing that like really like I kept coming back to the whole time, and I think this is the case for like most unpleasant things as they're happening. If you know at the start of the unpleasant thing how long the unpleasant thing is going to be, it's mm. all right. It's like if I came if I came around to your house now and I pressed you as hard as I could in like your calf and you're like I'm just going to do this for 30 seconds like, you'd be I'm like I'm trying to edit a video okay. here but yeah but okay if it's just 30 seconds like you can make yourself tolerate anything can't you for 30 seconds yeah the unknown it's it's A&E waiting rooms yeah it's why people get so stressed because they don't know how long they're waiting for because mm. I'm stood on the stood on the grass in my dressing gown getting hungry and cold thinking like feasibly like let's say worst case scenario the fu- there's a really bad fire they maybe c- come around in like a couple of hours and say like we can't let you back in you know like you've got to be ready for that circumstance haven't you because part of me's thinking it'll be 10 minutes and I'll, be, I'll get to go back in and I'll go in the snow room and it'll all be fine but you've got to think like there's a chance here that I'm never going back into my well, hotel. That's the end of the evening, yeah. And all you yeah. want to do is go back in the snow room. You don't want Edema maybe... I never got to go in. I never got to go in the snow room. It, I suppose there's an element of... So you, you know like the difference between camping and being homeless. So yeah. the element of choice in there too. So if someone said to you, would you like to spend your Tuesday afternoon standing on some grass in the sun, eating some Edema beans, you'd be like, well, that sounds all right. <laughs> Like that's that's a nice apart from the estrogen is it's an acceptable mm. way to spend your time. But if it's like you're in the sauna, oh no, now you're not. Now you're standing on the grass eating at a memory beans, whether you like it or mm. not, changes the dynamic. The funniest thing about it from my perspective was Becca and I had like come down from the hotel room in dressing gowns and had slippers on. My dad didn't do that. So my dad went to the pool in his in his clothes got changed in the locker room i'm not having this i'm gonna get <laughs> and then went into the pool so he was like swimming around fire alarm goes off and they're like right everyone get outside and my dad is just like floundering for a dressing gown he's just like does anyone have and the whole time I had to spend the whole time without any slippers on so he's like walking around the grounds on like loose gravel and like one of the fire wardens offered to carry him. This like little guy offered to carry my dad. 
<laughs> but yeah, so very strange uh, experience. But just the 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 icing on the cake was the the peace offering of of estrogen in a bowl. I thought yeah, like that's that. really, for God's sake, you know, like crisps would have would have been better. That is terrible. But, and w- walking barefoot on gravel, I don't know if that's a universal experience, but it's it's pretty unpleasant. Awful. Yeah. Um, I saw something, speaking of snails and peace offering food, I saw something, for, it was footage from Africa, where they okay. send out these two kids with what looks like sieves, and they're waving the sieves around, catching mosquitoes, like in a big cloud of mosquitoes. And then they have a guy who packs the mosquitoes into a burger, and like fries them up and it made like a thick burger obviously quite a lot of a lot of mosquitoes there so you can really capture quite a lot of meat Mm. but it just got me thinking like what would you have to be paid to eat that so is it served as like a a delicacy like is that something that they delicacy i think it's just out of lack of food so it's like shit so it makes it really makes you think like god we have access to cheap so much and we throw away a lot and like that whole trope that your parents like well there's kids starving in africa and if you don't finish yeah yeah. you're like well like literally they're making burgers from mosquitoes don't throw that away (laughs) (laughs) just big black thick mosquito burgers i'll i'll get some uh some footage for the i just think like so the fact that it's a it's not like that's not a mouthful is it that's a like how long does it take to eat a burger for me like 60 seconds 30 90 seconds no I'm, I'm joking like it's a couple of minutes isn't it like it's a meal so that's not over quickly every mouthful is going to be awful and also i imagine like mosquitoes are fairly well known for like harboring some fairly nasty things aren't they yeah so like even knowing that like malaria as far as i know you i don't think you can transmit malaria by eating it but i still wouldn't want right. to take my chances it's the not, same yeah. as like you know people say oh well you can't you can't really catch AIDS from, you know... Saliva or... Well, yeah, or like it's a low transmission rate or whatever. But there are cases of, it, you know, female to male transmission during sex for AIDS. Like, that's quite a, like, unlucky situation, but... I didn't even know that was unlucky. I thought that was, like, Well, it's usually the, the like one who's coming in the other person is going to is going to transmit the most isn't it because you you're transferring fluid from from a to b it's so weird you know because like now you've you've described it like that and i'm like well that sounds obvious now (laughs) but i've never thought about like that's where the like the relative risk lies with transmission of stuff like that like i've always thought well yeah but some might go in might not some still might go in you this is it you i mean you might have like a, a little cut or i don't know some point of entry so you're saying it can't just go up and in, can't find its way up and in. It has to be, it has to be an active, like from point A to point B, or you have to be bleeding. Well, theoretically, but still, yeah, this is what I'm saying. I, you know, you don't, you don't want to take chances. Um, mm. Equally with malaria, you don't want to be eating mosquitoes, even if you're like, oh, well, they're not biting me. <laughs> you have said it's fine, but what if it isn't? Mm. Yeah. So, could have just gone to five guys instead. And just Didn't have to do you, this. Well, you couldn't. I couldn't. I think it's just yeah. the chips. It, but again, you, you don't want to risk it just because yeah, they go, right. oh, well, it's only the chips that are fried in peanuts. Like, yeah, you're right. 
it's you're not missing much i mean if anyone wants to write in or send us a voice message about how much you love five guys but really it's it's better than burger king but it's worse than like byron burger so really is that where it sits i think so because because you've got like premium burgers Mm. and then you've got fast food and five guys tries to be good fast food but it's almost the price of a premium burger so i think you might as well just go for a byron if you're in I think the, like, the twelve pound range of <laughs> of burger, if you got that in the locker, like if that's what you're prepared to spend, don't don't spend it on the Five Guys. Is that what you're saying? Like go to some like gastro pub, sort of where there's brioche and sweet potato fries and that. Sort yeah, of thing. exactly. Like yeah. the the only situation I can see it working is like you you're hungry, you want something a bit kind of dirty and greasy and stuff, and it's like ten thirty p.m. and you're walking in the high street perfect go to five guys it's it's like this thing about like would you rather have a domino's pizza or like a really gourmet like you know crispy sourdough wood-fired pizza like for me they're very, it's almost like a different thing yeah like a, a pizza hut takeaway pizza or a domino's pizza is like a it occupies a certain space in like when i want to eat that and i i wouldn't then in that position i don't then want the like artisan pizza i want the like minging dirty pizza yeah it's it's funny because like i imagine if you go to it would be the difference between going to see like uh, some kind of art modeling thing versus going to a strip club and i would love to see what it looks like going to it's probably been done on youtube where like you take a domino's pizza to a pizza chef in sicily up in the mountains <laughs> and you ask him what he thinks of it and he's he's just like deeply insulted to yeah. the core yeah and then by like if you yeah like if you serve the domino's pizza in a fine italian restaurant the reaction it would get oh it's uproar and then like but then how would the domino's pizza customer feel if the person arrives on the moped and gets the big thing out and slides the pizza out and it's this like finely prepared crispy pizza direct from Sicily, I bet they'd be pissed off. Yeah, they would because their palate hasn't isn't refined enough to. It's not ready for it. They want the big like garlic puck of like four thousand calories. They're so they got, dense in calories. Yeah, they are. It's a day's intake. You could just do wake up one Domino's pizza, just do that every twenty four hours, and you'd be fine. Well, is it not three thousand three hundred for a for a large one? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like a full. I suppose, like for me, it would be like my full day's intake. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's over for me. Like well over. Everybody would just tend, wouldn't they? To like some people would maintain their weight, some people would gain, <laughs> but they'd only they'd gain a bit and then stop gaining. Some people would lose and then maintain, but it would fix everybody's body weight at a level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all you can eat was that. It forces you to get that to get three thousand three hundred as your maintenance for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Until someone, some prick, orders the chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Great reference there. Thanks. Yeah. So today, we have seen a video that has really sent a trumpet up Johnny's gonads because it really rattled rattled the rattled the jimmy rattled the basket yeah Yeah. um because if you don't know johnny's recently taken a foray into bodybuilding prior to that has been deep down the rpe rabbit hole 
rate, rating of perceived exertion, which is um, the Mike Teixeira reactive training systems modality for training based on bar speed, auto regulation, very powerlifting heavy style training. And we've come across this video from Mark Ripito, who was one of the one of the OGs of strength trainings, come up with starting strength, you know, one of the kind of original um, barbell beginner programs. And he has, I think, unjustly taken apart RPE training. RPE. If anybody would like to comment on whether they think Yusuf says RPE, like a pirate, feel free to get in touch. <laughs> RPE. So you mentioned my pronunciation of restaurant and webinar. Um, webinar. But I quite enjoyed your edamame bean. How do you say? Edamame. 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 I say edamame. Mm, that's probably which, correct. Which thing's correct? I think yours sounds like it would be correct. It sounds more proper. If you are Japanese. <laughs> My pronunciation sounds like somebody saying croissant, doesn't it? Yours sounds like croissant. So, interesting fact before we get on to Mark Ripito. Apparently, panino is the singular. So, of what? Of panini. Wow. But I feel like you'd be a, a total wanker to ask yeah. Panino. Because <laughs> they'd be like, we haven't got any. I think you find you do have some, sir. Actually, <laughs> if you've got Panini, then you certainly have Panino. <laughs> it's, I, feel, I always feel like it's a bit of a flex when people use data. You know, data is like singular and plural. Someone will say like, oh, well, if we look at these data, and they're like, initially you're like, and then you're like, oh, no, no, that's right. It's yeah. just like flexing. We have we have datum. Uh, what's the other one? Plethora and oh, what's the it's plethorum? It's going to bother me if uh, plethorimus. Plethora deluge. No. Plethorai. More. Uh, what is the word? Plethorut. Pleth. Pleth. It's completely slipped me. It'll come back. Let's let it. We'll let it bake in the background, and we'll talk about more yeah. repetition. Well, <laughs> so are we going to show the video? Are we going to show clips of it? Like how are we yeah, going to do we, this? We'll, we'll show some clips. We'll, we'll assume that uh, it's been watched. Okay. So the, I think like it's an interesting example of people just going like, and this happens all the time, in, a lot in fitness. But on the internet in general, have you th- have you remembered the name? Myriad. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same. Because people say, "Ah, well, this happens in myriad ways," and you think that sounds wrong, but it's probably the correct use. Ah, uh, right. Rather than like a myriad. Well, now we know. Um, so, in the video, Mark Ripito says something to the effect of like RP is just a way to sell programs as templates so that uh, you don't have to like speak to the client about the weight on the bar and i think like anytime he also says something weird at the beginning of the video like he insults people who like live in new york or something from memory yeah so it it seems like someone's asked about rpe and the first thing he does is 
take the mick out of him for living in New York and then mm. have a bit of a go at the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. It's like red flag one and two. And then just makes like a sweeping statement about something that's used by like lots of strength coaches in lots of, in like sports, powerlifting, bodybuilding, and just says, it's just this. It's just a way to make it okay to lift light weights. That's all RPE is. Uh, and it's been developed as a way to sell services so that you don't have to interact with your clients. Or that it's a way to allow yourself to lift less weight than last week. And all you need to do, if you want to get stronger, is have cantaloupe-sized balls and just stop being a pussy. So that's it. I think it would be good to unpack that to start with. <laughs> that's that statement. So it's, he starts off by saying it's just an excuse to lift light weights, right? So I think he justifies that in the video by saying, sometimes you go in the gym, you do your warm-up set, and it feels terrible. And you think, well, that felt terrible, but you still did it. And then you do another set, you think, well, that felt terrible, you still did it. I think he's saying that if you go by the RPE way of programming, you would have down-regulated that and done less weight and not necessarily progressed week to week. I think that at the heart of all of this, he just misunderstands like how RPE is supposed to be used in like the the reps in reserve context, at least. But his assumption there is it felt hard, therefore it was a high RPE. Yeah. And that like arbitrarily saying I'm doing this weight this week for this many reps no matter what is a better way of running a program because like just because the bar load is fixed week to week or like program by a percentage or program by some other means there's nothing to say that that won't also be too light for whatever you're capable of on the day because what if you progress faster than the program expects uh, yeah, that's then, it would, then it would his, his number would be too light so he's just saying that like you should it should all be really hard and you should always try really hard. And if you, as long as you do that, then it works. I just think there's a, there's a bit more nuance to it than that, unfortunately. Well, but you just got to stop it. being a pussy. Just, just lift harder and grow cantaloupe-sized balls and then you'd be fine. But yeah. What do you think about that as a, as a strategy of like ignore recovery capacity, ignore how you like perform or feel on a day and just always try harder what could possibly go wrong with that <laughs> yeah it's a, he's he's based his criticism around a single event that he was talking about when he was doing three sets of five classic surprise and, surprise and he said i realized that my perceptions of my effort are unreliable because the bar speed was the same across all three sets now ironically if he was following an RPE program and using some kind of objective measure of his bar speed, filming it or using a bar speed tracker, then that would be totally fine. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of people, I don't want to like mischaracterize, like obviously I've worked with Mike to share for a long time. I don't want to like mischaracterize his teachings or cause he obviously popularized the concept in strength training and powerlifting, but I've always been encouraged to like use multiple data points. So if you have a way of tracking your bar speed, like I think the first thing is like at the end of the set, not how hard was that? Because that's a very difficult thing to get you to wrap your head around, right? Like, but saying how many more reps do I think I could have done? 
I think in a lot of the data, people are pretty accurate about that, that rating generally. Like even in relatively untrained people, they have a pretty good feeling of like, it, you know, it's not going to be exactly right, but it, if you're not going to think you could have done 10 when actually you could have done two and vice versa, like you're going to be broadly correct. Um, so you have that measure and then you have ideally like a video. So watch back and he, Mark even says this in the, in the, in the footage, I watched back a video and I realized like the, the reps were similar. So you look at the video and you go, well, I think I could have done two more reps. Like, does it look like I could have done two more reps? Yeah, it does. And then even better, you have some sort of very objective measure. You have the uh, measure the velocity of the bar. There's lots of devices and apps that allow you to do that. Those things combine to say, well, I could have done two more reps. So therefore, it's an RPE eight, and that's a way of having a common conversation about what that set was to you, like what intensity that was versus what you were capable of. Something feeling hard is correlated but not tied to how many reps you can do. So we've all done a heavy single that you couldn't have done another another rep, but it felt really good to do that single. Yeah. We've also all done like a really nasty set of split squats that just felt horrible everywhere. But you probably, if you had to, there was maybe another four or five reps in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's... I think the he's just assuming that like someone writes a program and they don't want to like put the effort in to prescribe a load, so they write RPE eight. Well, so the, this is the other thing of it's been only developed as a way to sell services so that you don't have to interact with clients. Now, I would argue you develop anything to sell services. I don't think that's a, a discreditation <laughs> of the of the, the system yeah. because mm. starting strength is selling books and selling a system but the if anything that's a selling rpe as a system that doesn't require a coach if anything is a more noble uh mission because that's saying you we're, we're going to give you all the tools to regulate your training yourself it's not really doing himself i don't think my Toucher has done himself out of business by not no hanging his method on you know having to go through him personally i i and to be honest i actually think it's the it's the opposite so like there's only so much he can take on no no like in the sense that like i i think it's prescribing something as an rpe is really i think more useful when you are communicating with clients because i think what is difficult is how do you have a like you and i both do a set of five it has to be five, right? Because that's your strength base. So you, you and I do the set of five and I'm like, okay, so there's two ways we can look at like the load you pick. One of them is we use an arbitrary moving target that's probably inaccurate on a day-to-day -day basis, which is your max on that exercise. And we take a percentage of that and we use another framework to say, well, probably at 75%, you could do this many reps, so let's do a set of five with it, and it should be fairly easy, right, as a way of programming, you know, in an accumulation block or an intensification block or whatever. And I'm coaching you, and I say, like, how was your set of five? And you might be like, yeah, it was okay. But it's very hard. Like, it's all still arbitrary. Like, a percentage, the load, whether we pick the load at random, whether we do it by a percentage, or whether we say it's an RPE, we still have to have the conversation of, like, was that the training effect? Did that create the training effect that we were trying to create? Like, what do we think the intensity actually was? And it's all really just a conversation about intensity versus what you were capable of. And RP is a way of doing that. But I think doing 
saying that, oh yeah, it's, it's, that makes it easier to write a cookie cutter template. I actually think it's harder because like there's so much more to explain. Why would you not just say like do 10 reps or do a, do a, do a challenging 10 reps? Like why would you go to the effort of trying to then program in RPEs over time? Like it adds a layer of complexity and explanation that doesn't need to be there. Mark Ripito was someone who I think we both read his book, Starting Strength. A long time ago. Yeah. And it's difficult to get a feel for someone from reading a book that they've written. You know, it was a very technical book. There was lots of diagrams of angles and uh, force, um, shear force and compression and, and kind of different anatomical arguments made in the book for squatting with your head down and so on. Mm. Um, but when you see him on video, and I think this is maybe just as he's evolved into an older man and become a little bit more labile and a bit more loose, is that Great he says some things which you're just like... That, I mean, he ended that video with, if you don't progress on your squat, you should blame it on your ovarian situation. Yeah. Like, just weird. A ye- yellow flag that he said yeah. there. Um, and, and then there's also some things that I think when COVID kicked off, and we talked about this on a video called how not to do copywriting, where we, we mentioned that there's a certain avatar of online American Christian creator who is, does like marketing stuff. And then very gradually, whenever there's a current thing, particularly to do with gun laws or COVID or something like that, they just, suddenly all of their content flips a switch and just goes hard into that. And it's almost like they lose sight of what their original product is and they just suddenly use the internet as a soapbox. Um, So that it it was a very consistent trend that we we see. Um, A lot of people that have kind of alpha or warrior or masculinity or wolf in their branding as well. Not Mm. everyone, but they they, a lot of them tend to go through that shift as well but we have this here from um one of the forums where someone someone has said and i'm gonna gonna read this out do not bargain or comply with anything a woman says at this point they're all basically terrorists and need a 10-week beat down as a whole gender literally physical beat down camp to distend the inflated ego that somehow got created they know how to play good cop bad cop and this one reasonable lady showed up blood in the water for sharks to turn up the heat because if someone gives a reasonable argument with a man, the power will back down. At this point, women will only be dealt with blah, 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 bullshit, hive mind, nonsense, wise the fuck up. So That was Mark Ripito saying that. No, that, so that was someone in the, uh, in the forum, very oh, right. kind of drenched in incel type attitude there. Which forum? I assume the starting strength one, but they have. Oh, I see. Right. Um, okay. And then Mark has responded, an interesting take. I know some women who would agree with this, which kind of muddies the water. It's not super incriminating, but I think it's the fact that Mark hasn't just gone, that is a mental thing to say. Don't post it in my forum. Yeah. Or just delete the comment. Yeah. But I suppose like someone with a high profile is likely to get to get cancelled from this kind of stuff um well i think that's the the second part of all of this right is that like how do you navigate these things if you're you're trying to decide is rpe a good idea 
and like you know, well, who's Mark Ripperto? Oh, he wrote Starting Strength. Oh yeah, like loads of people follow him. Oh, he's had he's worked in the industry for all these years, and he thinks it's a gimmick, and he's outwardly he's got this platform where he can say that sort of thing, and yeah, people react to it, and but like it doesn't get it's it's so tricky, isn't it? And this is just in the fitness industry; it's in everything in the internet where that's not reviewed by an objective third party and taken down as misinformation or like overly aggressive opinion for the sake of like starting a fight. It's still there on the internet. And I think like most people in fitness, most strength coaches trying to coach their clients would agree that he's not right about that. Yeah. He's a, he's an authority in fitness that that has that opinion. And that's there on YouTube now that RPE is a gimmick. It's a very difficult problem to unpick of the internet. And I, I'm sure there's a clever blockchain solution where similar to the way that Wikipedia is moderated, where like there's a kind of group verification of facts and so on. Mm. And still, it's subject to, no matter what technology you use, it's still, as you say, subject to popularity and charisma and confidence with someone making a ridiculous claim. And that's why the people who are most popular in the fitness industry are not necessarily the ones who speak the most objective truth. They're not the the best evidence-based fitness people, are they? They're the most polarizing. Because equally, even if it went through down the route of like, let's almost crowdsource the verification. We've had a we had a run-in with Lyle McDonald where he like threatened to send his followers on us or set his followers on us, you know. And if he if he's got a group of people behind him, as a, as most like figureheads in any industry do who are willing to just do whatever to to back the support of what the, the, the person they're following. I'm sure if, it, if Mark Ripito wanted to get all his followers to, to upvote something or say something was verified or whatever, he'd get that. So, and you know, how incentivized do people who think RPE is fairly legit to go and fight the fight on the other side? You know, it's a, it's, it's a minefield, to be it honest. It becomes a, a situation where the more of a... And, and I've seen this a lot with the Herbalife stuff that, that we've done mm. uh, and some of the comments. Something like, I'm going to find the, the quote. Um, it, oh, here we go. It's in my Alfred. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. So Is that criticizing it being a doctor? No, that, that, that's just a famous quote. Um, oh, right, I see. So, so people who are very adamantly pro-Herbalife, because they are Herbalife reps... Oh, I see what you mean. Of course they're going to, to defend it because their salary depends on it. So mm. if you can't use someone who makes money from a thing to be an objective assessor of whether that thing is, is good or not. Um, similarly, yeah. we've seen a chat with Ripito and Touchera. And Touche, you know, they, they had a... That they did a kind of, I guess you could call it a debate together, where it's been memed because Ripito is very much drinking the Kool-Aid of heavy fives are the way to get strong. And you can see him trying to like shoehorn that statement into the podcast. And Mike Tushar is not really agreeing with it, but he's kind of trying to be gracious and just being like, well, okay, yeah, fives are all right. <laughs> But it's just, I think and there's the red flags across both that video, that interview, um, and the stuff that we've just looked at is that Mark speaks in absolutes, doesn't he? There's no um, 
it's not like, well, RP has some use cases and can be useful in some circumstances. It's just like the only reason that this exists is this. And like, that's it put in the box. And in, he tries to do the same thing in the interview with Mike where he's saying like, but so you use heavy fives and that's how you train and you find yourself using fives in your training and all that sort of stuff. And I guess to, again, to, to most people in fitness, like fives, a set of five are like a, something you can do. Like that's a, they're an option. They're not, there's nothing magical about them. <laughs> they're not more magical than a set of four or a set of six other than they're used in Mark's branding and starting strength and part of it. Just don't do a set of seven because God if say. the strength range is one to six and the hypertrophy range is eight to 12, then if you do seven, you, you're in the gameless chasm. So if we you have, ever find yourself a, doing like a shared an image of that, haven't we? Uh, yeah, I'll get the image because obviously if you're approaching failure, just you have to squeeze out that final rep or stop short of seven because... Otherwise, you've wasted your time. I can remember being in the gym, like in my first couple of years in the gym, and there was some guys in there doing sets of seven on an easy bar kill. And I remember thinking, like, idiots. <laughs> like, who's doing a set of seven? Like, why would you do a set of seven? Because we've we'd been looking at, like, Prilipin's chart. Exactly, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I'll have been going through a block where I was, I'd dropped from doing eight to 12 to six to eights. And, you know, that was the, I'm in my, like, special of my progression cycle and these jokers are just doing sets of seven for no reason <laughs> idiots absolutely yeah. twat. what a mistake to have made so speaking of mistakes oh we're doing okay we're doing oh. Oh. sorry sorry no no sorry sorry oh would we'll, i rather we will cover some mistakes mistakes we've made in a second but would i rather the, the important question of would you rather poo a tiny bit every time you fart or puke a tiny bit every time you burp. I quite I like, like a, that question in terms of its construction because it's a, it's a good equivalence. It is very similar. Like, and I think everybody can. Pro everyone's probably experienced both of those before. Like it's a little, like a semi sick, like a hemi demi semi sick, hemi -demi -sick like a, just a little bit sick. a little bit on the burp. Mm. It feels less deliberate. I think a bit of sick with a burp. A little bit of poo with a fart is like, I, I, I mismanage that. Yeah, you can't do you know what I mean? say with that really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would do, I would take the sick every day. Yeah. Every same. day. Yeah. Far less. Like, because if you're sick, I think, I, I don't know whether you have this, but it, if I was with somebody and they, <laughs> they threw up, I think I'd be like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, how can I help? If someone was like, I've pooed myself a bit. <laughs> it's hard to feel sympathy for them. I know, isn't that so strange? Because like, like, it's a failure of a sphincter. Like, you know, there's no, no moral judgments here, but that's what it is. There, there is some, as I say, it implies or it feels like there's, a, there's more, there's almost been a deliberate action there with the pooing. Whereas yeah. the, the sick is like, God, they've been sick. They must be really unwell. Even though they're, as you say, that they're equivalent, but it's just how it's how I view them. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a horrible person. I had to get up to be sick at four in the morning the other day for a really silly reason. Self-inflicted. I, I don't doubt that it's a really silly reason, and I, I can't wait to hear why. So can I, I guess? Very... Can I have? Can oh, I have yeah, a few guesses? Do. You'll probably guess actually. So it, it's something just. To, to preface it's something that you've consumed it is food you've consumed right yeah 
I think you have eaten something in the evening that was, you had probably frozen, was probably frozen. And it was a, like a, a ready meal maybe, or something you'd put back in the freezer, had frozen it and then had, had defrosted it, but maybe not fully eaten it and it was out of date. You're, you're close. So okay. it was 10 p.m. I was ravenous because I'm currently on a diet and I'm in the the kind of lean stages of it now. And I hit my calorie target mostly for the day. I think I had like 100 calories left. So I made myself a lovely meal of two packs of shirataki noodles, which are the konjac calorie-free oh, no. noodles, which are basically algae. You open the pack and they're really strong, like fishy smell, and you have to rinse them loads to get the, the smell off. And then I grated some protein cheese on on the, the noodles and added like a tiny bit of pesto for flavor. Microwaved that and ate it. And just at four in the morning, it was just came back really, up. yeah, hit me like a, a brick. Like, <laughs> <sighs> Man, that's the... The story of a man in the depths of a deficit, isn't it? Something that might is that one of the most ridiculous things that's happened to you while dieting? Must be up there. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's just like it's just diet feels, isn't it? Like it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't you wouldn't look twice at normally if you're eating maintenance. You'd be like, why are you eating just gobs of jelly, basically? Flavorless. They yeah. smell like fish at ten p.m. and and protein cheese. Like, yeah, it's it's broadly cheese but it's not you don't go like mm. so i quite like the but yeah you're right like i wouldn't if i was like pick a lovely cheese pick the best cheese like it wouldn't it wouldn't even feature it wouldn't even be in the lineup for things that might feature but like it's very satiating very low calorie it's basically a protein supplement as food isn't it yeah a salty protein all supplement. all low calorie dairy it's just a protein supplement as I see it. Like that's my protein for the day. Yeah. It's great stuff. With with fruit pastels in it. If you have to eat carbs. Don't have fruit pastels with uh high protein cheese though. That's oh, lunacy. No. So we we actually have some unpopular fitness opinions from you guys, but I think we better save that for next week because we need to talk to you about the main event today, which is some business mistakes. That we've made. Samuel Levinson says, you must learn from the mistakes of others. You cannot possibly live long enough to make them all yourself. So here are some of the stupidest business mistakes that we've made in <clears throat> building and scaling our online coaching company, Propane Fitness. And we want to save you making those mistakes yourself. I've got an admission for you. And that is that you're paying for our, you're praying, you're... <laughs> You're paying for our program either way. You're just either paying for it with money or with time. So it's awful, isn't it? That thought. It is. Well, not from our perspective, like the program's fantastic, but if you choose to pay with time, awful. Because it's, I mean, it was years. The mistakes we're going to cover are 14 years of just ramming our heads against different walls until we managed to run through the door. And as they say, the best teacher is your last mistake. The, th the thing I find most uncomfortable when I'm discussing propane business with someone is when they say, look, 
the program sounds great. I think I, I'm just going to, I think I can do this on my own. And there's, there is nothing I can say at that point to change that person's mind because that's what they believe that. And I think like there's a chance that they will, well, they, they will figure it out on their own. As you say, it is the only variable in that equation is days and months and years of time, but it's how to communicate that. Cause, cause we still made, we still spent 14 years figuring stuff out. <laughs> Like uh, how many years we into were, that we did were we trying pay for? to get to the answer? It's not like we were desperately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at, like, at what point did we pay for coaching? Probably like six years in to that fourteen years, and it helped. Just arrogance of the first six, thinking like, yeah, we'll figure this out. Oh, how, how hard can it be? be? Yeah. So mistake number one. There's a long list. Strap in, guys. So <laughs> mistake number one was we tried to sell coaching as a single package, starting off at £7.99 and then moving it all the way up to over £1,000. But it was this this idea that coaching is like a one-and-done thing. And all it did was mean that we you find a customer, you find a lead, you or several, several hundred of them and a certain percentage buy, and then at the end of the program, you go, well, do you want to buy it again? And, <laughs> and they go, no. No. <laughs> you go, okay, well, bye. Yeah, bye then. Trying to find Tomorrow. a new client. Yeah. I, I, think the, I think it's because at the time we felt like, well, we've only got this much to give. Like once I've taught somebody, this is protein, this is carbs, fat, this is a barbell and you do this with the barbell You're like well they know it all now and you kind of think i think at the beginning you assume that like coaching is just sort of teaching someone everything you've learned from like watching all the videos and reading all the articles and and like they don't know that yet so once i teach them that's it they paid for the service but like the fact that you and i still have coaches now i think like realizing that actually like it's very feasible for someone to work with you for years and in our case, like we have a couple of clients who've literally been with us since day one, like yeah. over a decade well, because we decided um, to charge monthly. You're right. Like we, we misunderstood the value of coaching. Cause we, as you say, we thought it was just like information, like we've learned this. Okay. Here's the information by, mm. whereas there's three pillars of coaching that we see it, which is information, accountability, and objectivity. And really the last two are probably the reasons that Johnny and I, higher fitness coaches at the moment we have coaches in most domains of our life to try and accelerate our our learning process because we realize that trying to do it on your own just takes far too long and that that's more expensive to me is spending the time mm. um, and depending on how how new of a skill it is to you that determines whether you're really hiring a coach more to learn or more for accountability or more to stop you from making wacky decisions yourself the objectivity yeah, I think that it's it's so everybody hears that. Like I remember hearing that, like, oh, money's more expensive, like time's more scarce than money, and you're like, yeah, bollocks. Like it's easy to say when you've got the money and or you don't have the money and you've got time to spend. But I think it's the contrast of, or it's trying to really realize that um, if you launch something correctly, like if you spend some money on something and it works, you will get that money back. That's the nice thing about that. How relaxing is that? 
to know that, right? You'll get that money back and some more money. And then you can put that money back into the thing oh. and then you get even more money. It doesn't happen like that with time though, unfortunately, at least the last time I checked. Like you just linearly spend your time until you have no more of it. And if you misallocate that, that's it. Well, it's gone. <laughs> it's even better because when you have money, you can buy time. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think so. Alex Hormozy described money as stored time, and I've never heard it like that before. But it's a really so the the example that I've mentioned to you so for the start of this video that he uses in one of his videos, and his content's great by the way, um, is this idea of like you can buy a light bulb and plug it in and turn it on, and then there's light in your room, and you're like, fantastic, fix that problem. But for years that didn't exist, and somebody invested. I don't even know who it is. Thomas Edison. So apparently it was, there was two people that invented it and I think Thomas Edison got the credit. He pinched it. <laughs> or Did it, he pinch it? And someone like, it was either the light bulb or the telephone where two people, Alexander Graham Bell, I think, t two people designed it at the same time in different parts of the world having not communicated and one of them was a gentleman and was like, do you know what? You have that one. Ah, uh, see. Who invented the light bulb in yes yeah, so there's thomas edison joseph swan joseph uh, anyway swan. it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't matter so, so anyway he he put his life into that and now you've just got that solution so like you can use some of your money to access all of that time instantly and like you can just buy solutions to problems you can learn something far quicker or you can devote your life to trying to figure it out yourself and i think it's really Sometimes I speak to people and you can tell that's like that penny's dropped with them and they just want they just want access to the I don't want to do this for 10 years on my own. And some people it hasn't quite occurred to them yet. I think once that's occurred to you, you can never look back. You oh. can never go back to the other side. It's why I'm okay. so excited about a nonfiction book. Because if, if I find a book that solves a problem which I'm trying to solve and it happens to be an author who's dedicated their life to solving that problem... Like, oh my God, that's a, a lifetime mm. of lessons and wisdom just sorted for you. It's even more, yeah. And I think that is it though, isn't it? It's accelerating. Like you just, it took them two years to figure something out and you can figure that thing out now. What a, what a saving. It's even more obvious with like learning ads management, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, all these things, because I'll ask someone a question, like one of our coaches a question. I'm like, what should I do with this? And he'll give me an answer that's the result of, half a million in testing so that I don't have to do the half a million in testing. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, well, how much is the program? Like, even if the program costs 50 grand, what a saving. <laughs> but it's so hard to look at it like that. But anyway, we've only done one mistake. So the first one was, <laughs> the first one was selling coaching as a single package rather than having like this recurring relationship with our clients, realizing that actually we're not selling them information, we're selling objectivity, accountability, this having the being this source of like regular help and advice for them throughout their journey and beyond the, the initial result they paid us for. Um, second one's trying to scale our one-to-one -one coaching. So Propane Fitness started as the two of us. Well, there's actually three in the beginning. We all had one-to-one -one clients. It was over email. We sent them like a PDF and then we coached them over email. Oh, it's a really traumatic memory, you know. Awful, isn't it? Yeah. And it was, yeah, and it was like, so I, I, my memory of it was 
getting in from work. So finish my like job as an accountant, get home, close like one laptop and then open another one and open the email account of my like Apple mail. And I'd have all my clients in folders down the left. And it would just, I just have like 30 check-ins on a Monday and I would be up until two or three in the morning replying to those check-ins. And then you open a check-in and it's like, like thousand words. And we, we've got a long digital uh, footprint of that. The, mm. If you scroll back through our YouTube channel, I mean, you won't be able to see it because they're all unlisted videos or private videos, but just loads of videos of Johnny and I, 10 to 20 minutes long, just looking like that, talking yeah. to the camera. Just <laughs> responding hey, to people. Hey, Josh, thanks for your check-in. Um, so it looks like... <laughs> your squats are going well this week and it was yeah. a, a real time and it, it it's like and so we both we're like trying to do this while like um trying to also like build the business up enough so that we could live off it charging at the time we were probably charging like 80 pounds 60 to 80 pounds per client i remember being buzzing when a client signed up for 60 quid and then realizing like we have to now go and I have to send them the check-in for the setup form and then I have to write them the program and then there'll be a one-to-one -one call. And then and I can remember doing some one-to-one -one calls with people who signed up like while I was on holiday and I would get the PayPal notification and I'd be like, Oh God. And then I have to do a one-to-one -one call with them while I was on holiday. So we tried to scale that by hiring other people. So we hired other people and then we're like, well, we've got all these inquiries for one-to-one -one coaching. We need to give them to someone else. But the, the economics of that was just never going to work because we were like, well, we have to make some money still. Otherwise, it's not really a business. So we'd say, well, like, we'll give you 50%, 60%. But then from their perspective, like, why would they do that? They would just say to the client, like, hey, I'll work with you for like 10 pounds more than what I get paid, but 30 quid less than what Johnny and well, you yeah. charging. <laughs> and, and ironically, the 50% that we received, we have to pay costs and tax out of that. So... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was that was before we were VAT registered. But if you like, you do that with a VAT registration, VAT registered business, like you lose twenty percent as soon as the money comes in the door, and you pay corp tax on the profit. So you're at the point where like you're just a busy fool, a really busy fool, where there's all this stuff happening, all these clients, all these emails, all this fulfillment, and the, the stuff that's left over at the end of the day is hardly anything. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> mistake number that, three, which I think came off the back of mistake number two. <laughs> <laughs> did was saying okay coaching's not the one coaching is exchanging time for money but you can sell pdfs online mm -hmm. so we're going to get rich selling seven pound ebooks so that was the next step so we, we went into the bunkers and we spent months writing <laughs> johnny wrote a fat loss ebook i wrote a muscle gain one they're and still for sale still, still buying for sale and I, to, that's to still be fair, great it's. I wouldn't chalk this up fully as a mistake because, like, yes, it didn't. It didn't exactly pay the bills outright, but they're still selling now, and they're still pretty good. I think it's all now. It's almost at the point which it blows my mind. It's we're almost at the point where there's. It's quite rare that a day goes by where we don't sell a couple of copies, which is bonkers, really. But the, I think the thing, it's the most stressed I've ever seen Yusuf. <laughs> was in the launch we were sat in david lloyd cafe launch week 
and we were trying to make sales pages for these products. We were trying to set up the delivery, oh. which like, I know it may sound odd, but trying to get somebody a PDF after they bought it on the internet, it's not as simple as you'd think. Especially in like 2014 or something. Yeah. Really difficult. So it was like, should we use Dropbox? No, we can't do that. That's silly. Should we put it on Google Drive? No, that's not sustainable. I think we tried um, Dropbox and then we got our account blocked. So Too many downloads. Because <laughs> there was too many, too many clicks on the link. So we did like a pre-launch. We pre-sold it. We sold quite a few, but I think like, you know, imagine pointing all of your marketing efforts to something, ha hanging all your hopes on it. I think we made like a, a couple of grand in a weekend for the launch of both of them, um, which might sound great listening to that. But that was the, you know, that we were hoping like that's this is the end of one to one coaching. Like this is what the business is going to. And that was our email list, our social media. That was everything we could that muster. That was us really blowing our load, having like built a, yeah. a big audience of, you know, um, up to that point as well. But so yeah. next mistake was after we were like, okay, ebooks isn't the one, coaching isn't the one. We need to do some kind of scaled group coaching program with a member's area. There was a step in between that, okay. which is a mistake just down the list, which I think fits in nicely here, which was we were oh, like, yeah. I, <laughs> I know <laughs> people don't want to do we can't do one-to-one -one coaching. We can't outsource one-to-one -one coaching. People don't want a PDF. They still want to work with us somehow. Why don't we do live, like live webinars and workshops and we'll charge for it? So we did two of them. One was on powerlifting. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> this was when you were mid-medical degree. I drove to Stockton one evening. We had like eight people who'd paid a tenner. <laughs> Twelve ninety nine. Was it twelve ninety nine? And we presented this like three hour thing on powerlifting, and made the slides, did a Q and A. Thought like this, it's all right because we're going to be able to sell a recording, and the record. Everyone's going to want the recording, even though only eight people wanted to attend live. And I think I don't think we sold a single recording. No. Tried to do it again with a habits webinar. This time we made. And we were doing it around the end of the year because we're like, well, everyone wants to form habits in New Year. We sold two of them, one to a competitor, one to an existing client, and we refunded both of them. Because we thought for 24 quid for us to uh, yeah. make the slides for this, it's not worth it. Yeah. So then we were like, okay, web live webinars are not the one. Coaching one-to-one -one is not the one. Ebooks are not the one. It must be members area, passive products with group coaching. So we were moving in the right direction. And that's actually still the, the model that we recommend. The mistake, though, was moving the what we did have, which was on something called Optimized Press, terrible, terrible piece of software, would not recommend, <laughs> over to... In, oh, God. We, we got a, a freelancer called Furkanul. Nice, nice guy. We paid him for moving for putting all of our stuff into optimized press and setting up a website it was a big project took him 30 40 hours which for a freelancer really adds up in terms of cost and then at the end he was like guys have you considered um click funnels and i was like oh no what's what's that and he was like oh well it's um a members area platform that does your landing pages and 
payment collection. And, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Had a look at it, two week trial, called Johnny immediately. Johnny, uh, I'm not being funny. You need to go on this website and have a look. And then he had a look and we were like, oh, God, this is really this is pretty good. good, isn't it? So we moved everything over again to ClickFunnels, but we had our emails and active campaign all synchronized up. And then after a, a year or so of ClickFunnels, we were like, you know what? We're paying these guys a lot. We're really deep in the system. It, it's working well. Let's move everything into ClickFunnels, including the. Um, the email automation stuff, which was an upgrade. So it went from $99 a month to $300 a month. And then that's where you move in all of your email automations. And so you have your entire business in ClickFunnels. <laughs> Did it for a bit and then very quickly realized, oh, this is really buggy and not fit for purpose. And so after that migration, which I think cost us 1500 quid, yeah, so we paid a guy who got actually quite shirty with us. I don't really remember because... Freelancers was, are so sassy. Yeah, he, he criticized us for not having like a holistic approach to our automations. <laughs> but then he built the automations out. And I think the problem was like we were trying to use this all-in-one solution and the, it just wasn't built for what we were trying to do. And as you say, it cost us like close to, I think close to two grand all in just to move stuff across. And then we had to email Active Campaign. We were like, "We're really sorry, we didn't come back. We come back." <laughs> and then we had to pay somebody else to move everything back. And then when we did, that was twenty thousand people on the list. GDPR came into play. We deleted our list and started again. Built oh. it back up to like, you have to send out a thing saying, "Hi, um, can you please re-opt in because of GDPR and stuff?" Oh. And then, so I went. Oh my god! This is. We I went, went to a GDPR I, event at a hotel. We went to like yeah, we went to like a, a proper GDPR conference. Two of them, in fact, in Middlesbrough, which is awful. By the way, don't ever go to Middlesbrough. And like, I remember asking a lawyer, like a really senior lawyer, look, can you just? This is the situation. Can you just explain? Is that okay or not? She was like, I don't know. <laughs> like great mint like we've come all this way and at the time because it was just being brought in there was all this fear mongering there was so much stuff on my, i was getting like cold outreach by people saying like i'm a i'm a gdpr consultant i'm going to come in and make sure you, you guys aren't going to get fined when this comes in and everyone was really worried about it some people did nothing and some people went extreme and we didn't we didn't delete everything we deleted a lot of stuff though it was a very expensive day for us horrendous it was. We sat through a lot of slideshows, which didn't really tell us much because <laughs> it was yeah. all speculative. It was. Oh, so that's just oh, the beginning. We've, we've just scratched the iceberg. Is that the right term? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, it's exactly the right term. Yeah. Um, the tip but, of the balloon. Yeah. But I'm, I'm running out of battery and I've also got to go to yoga. So I think we, um, <laughs> we, should, we should pick this up. Um, in the next episode we could, we could legitimately do like a series of podcasts I think about just these mistakes because each one of these has like well each of these things we're describing is hours and weeks and months of our life <laughs> trying wasted. to get the right answer pissed it, wasted yeah and it's all it's all it's resulted in is now we can record a podcast about it well we we can we'll, also sell you our expertise and our lessons and yeah. 
allow you to skip the you know go straight into the fast lane you're at disneyland you don't have to wait in the queue with all the plebs you can you can get You've a got premium the, pass and go straight on the, the, the hullabaloo the pink bracelet the pink bracelet yeah. and you yeah go straight at the front straight in the front carriage but yes i mean seriously like we are talking that like, the cost of these mistakes so we mentioned that there moving stuff over to from active campaign to click funnels and back again three to four grand <laughs> and the just time that, as well just that one thing so it like, was like our sole focus for you know clients suffered like our health suffered so even the selection of software like you know because people think like oh i'll be i'll be able to pick software but it's like saying i'll be able to write my own program when you're actually in the gym you'll come to do your third set or something you think i don't need to do it right rose <laughs> You will, won't you? You think, oh, actually, I read that article about upright rows being bad for your shoulder health. That I'll not do the upright rows. corner, that looks fun. I'll go and yeah. give that a try for a bit. Oh. Or you're three weeks in and you think, oh, but I could. But if you've seen that new, there's a new program that that coach has released, I could maybe try that one. It's got That's ClickFunnels. That's moving everything over to ClickFunnels without knowing. And like, you're on your own. You've got to make these decisions by yourself. Before you know it, you're three grand in and you have to cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so that really like propane business is a is a bargain and we can say that it's easy for us to say that because we know what goes into it but people just don't realize like how easy it is to just absolutely have yourself in this world <laughs> <laughs> so easy you sat there doing those twisty bicep curls on a on an incline looking at the cables and going oh should i be doing it with the cables or yeah should i be doing occlusion training or oh, i don't know <laughs> No one knows. Well, we know. We know the answer. Because we've, we've tried all of it. We'll continue next time. Speak to you soon. Bye. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.